time has come to retool our playing for ourselves, for our students, and for the greater groove. And the big question remains, of course, what is the future of strings? Come on, let's talk about it. Silverman, your host of the For the Greater Groove podcast, the future of strings. This is the hangout for all the progressive string players where we can keep in touch, build our community, keep track of what's going on, and meet some of the movers and shakers in the progressive string world. And I am so thrilled you're going to meet my guest today, Jesus Florido, who is a longtime advocate for the inclusion of Latin music in string education. And he's traveled all over the world bringing his educational uh, workshops to places like, I believe you were just in Liberia, is that correct? Liberia. Yeah, man. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool bringing his Jesus Florido music education workshop. And... Uh, and he's also got a recent album out of original music called Heading North. It's done film score work for Sunset Junction, The Last Musketeer, Dancing in Havana, some TV work, some ads. And he plays a six-string instrument. So he's definitely on the cutting edge with that. And, of course, the dad of a great and talented 12-year-old boy, Sebastian, who is a musician and a budding star of, in his own right. So, um, so, so great to have you on the show, man. And uh, really looking forward to digging into uh, what you do and what you teach. And maybe you can start by just kind of telling us, uh, give us an idea how you got into non-classical string playing. Because I know you started with classical, but at some point you did make this big shift into dedicating your life to non-classical playing. And I'd like to to know why, frankly. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. This is an honor. I, I love what you've done with this podcast and with your career. You know. Oh, thank you, man. You've been an inspiration to me. Ah. Uh, I, think we, I think we have a really nice community, to be honest with you. Yes. What I'm telling you, I can tell so many others because we're very supportive and inclusive of each other. So. Yeah. But you putting on a podcast, thank you. Thank you. We we need this. <laughs> yes, absolutely, man. Yeah. All right. L let me tell you a little bit about my beginnings, because I blame this uh, on my father. <laughs> because I didn't, uh, I was trying to tell you the, the story that I didn't choose the violin. Yeah. The violin was chosen for me. Uh. I, I did not want to play the violin. I didn't, you know, when people ask me for this inspirational quote, I said, why do you play the violin? My, my, my answer is my mom made me. <laughs> you know, my mother is an artist and uh, fairly successful and well-known. And she said, well, in our house, you have to do an art and a sport. Yeah. You know, so you have to pick an art. And I'm not so good at painting. So my dad said, oh, go play music because my dad is a great guitar player, was a great guitar player and singer and everything. So um, he took me to the symphony to my first symphony concert I was six years old and we cool. sat in front of the cellos and I came to the orchestra that they had to pick my instrument <clears throat> and I said um, I want to play the cello and the lady said oh I'm so sorry we only have little violins we don't have little cellos <laughs> so I said okay you know and that's that's my story with the violin <laughs> now I, I, I I'll tell you a couple of things that I want other people to, to hear too because the first day I went and sat in the orchestra, uh, they put, I was the new kid, so they put me all the way in the back. And there was like 40 of us, and I was like all the way in the back. Yeah. And I came home crying. Mom, they put me last. I was like, you know, I said, and my mom, very, my mom was very 
unattached to things, you know. It's sorry, just killed my mother. <laughs> my mother is very <laughs> unattached to things, and and she she answered like, "Well, you're new. I guess you're gonna have to practice a lot." <laughs> and that I got it. It really got to me. I mean, I don't think she intended that, <laughs> but the effect is that. Oh, I gotta practice. If I get if I practice, I'm gonna be really good at this. So, I'm very competitive. So I started practicing like crazy, you know, and I got obviously really good. My father is watching on the side, you know, just saying, you know, watching me. <laughs> and I was about eight years old. I've been playing for a year. And then he said to me, you know, you're really good at this Mozart thing. But you need to you need to learn to play real music, he said. <laughs> and he took me serenading with him. You know, in Venezuela, where I grew up, uh-huh. serenading is still a thing. Wow. You know, when you like a girl, when you like a girl, the first thing, I mean, that you do is you bring her a serenade. That's how you... Wow. You know, that you still go goes on. That's, the window. Oh, yeah, that's still, not just still. like back in Shakespeare or Cyrano oh, de Bergerac. No, 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 no. I grew up, I mean, I got, at the end, man, people were hiring me. To serenade other girls because not everybody obviously is music talented. So you would yeah. hire musicians to come with you, like yeah. Cyrano the Bergerac, you know. Right, right. <clears throat> You're not so good, so you got you hire the good. So all the kids in the orchestra. We even had a, a pickup truck with a piano on it. <laughs> so we back up the pickup truck, beep, 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 you know, with the piano. I mean, so to me that was the part. The second most important part that my father did for me was exposure. He will take me to the record store every so often, you know, and would let me loose and go, get whatever you want. That's awesome. You know, and I will go, you know, the old school, flipping through records, and if I found something. And one day, uh, that was not much. I mean, I was probably eight or nine. And I go and I see a a cover of a a guy with a violin and a Hawaiian shirt. (laughs) <laughs> and I've never seen that in my life. Because to me, violin was classical. Right. I mean, even though I was already playing folk music and popular music with my father, I was the only violinist. There was no other violins for me to look at. Right. But I saw a guy with a Hawaiian shirt and a violin. And I just I had to buy it. I don't know what this is. <laughs> it was Stefan Grappelli. Ah. <laughs> and I actually, I, I told him the story when I met him. We enjoyed a short uh, uh, friendship of the, the later in his life. Oh, wow. And he says, oh, that yellow shirt. I love that shirt. <laughs> he, <said. laughs> he remembered the shirt. He remembered the shirt. I forget what I played on that record, but I remember the shirt. <laughs> exactly. But, but anyway, so then I, oh, my God, jazz. So I go back to the, to the guy at the store, and I said, do you have anything else in jazz violin? And he, his answer was, is there a jazz violin? <laughs> he didn't know. I didn't know I had any jazz violin. I didn't, I didn't know I didn't had any jazz violin. But anyway, so he asked me to look in this other pile over there. And then I found this guy with a purple violin or blue or something. And, and the beer in the, like a concert stage or, you know, and it was Jean-Luc Ponty. So right. on the same day, my life changed. Wow. Between Grappelli and Jean-Luc Ponty, I was never the same. And then (laughs) my father noticed that and realized that Jean-Luc was coming to Venezuela. He went a lot. Oh, wow. So when I was about 10 years old, I went to see Jean-Luc Ponty play in Caracas. I didn't live in Caracas, so we actually drove two hours to go see Jean-Luc play. And I met him. Wow. I met him. (laughs) He, He brought me backstage. So... Again, see, and at the same time, I had my violin teacher who wanted me to be a soloist. So from a very young age, I grew up in two different worlds. Yeah. Very distinctive worlds. And I learned that classical music people did not like it. My teacher did not like it. He says, what's going to ruin my technique? So I was in the closet. I tell people, (laughs) I was in the closet for a long time. And, and, um, I will go play with my father and jam and, uh, you know, learn to the nuances of Latin music, the rhythmic stuff, you know. But even then, I, the two didn't connect. 
you know, classical was classical, non-classical to, to call it, was non-classical. All these folk tunes, all this Latin music, boleros and tangos, all this stuff that I was playing with my father yeah. did not connect until I came to New York when I was 15 years old to do a summer course at Juilliard, you know, and I started with uh, Marguerite Pardee. Uh-huh. And then one day she said, oh, Miss, Miss DeLay has an opening for a lesson. Would you, would you go? And I had no idea who she was. So I'm going like, sure, I'll play for whoever you sent me to, to yeah, play. I was yeah. very naive about the whole thing. I didn't understand any of it, uh, you know. Uh, so I go and play for this lovely lady. And I, I usually say my lesson lasted about 10 minutes. That's how all when of them she, lasted, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that she asked me what my concept of rhythm was, and I had no answer. Because, see, in my huh. mind, in my mind, I had great rhythm. Because I'm doing all this Latin stuff. I was already playing with salsa orchestras. I mean, yeah. I know rhythm. And I remember I was playing the Mozart G major for her, and she said my rhythm was terrible. And she gifted me a huh. metronome, which I still have oh my somewhere God. here in the studio. I still have it. For real? I she just gave you a metronome. She, brand new, brand new in a box and everything. And she said, you <laughs> listen to this, you need to internalize your, your, your beat because you have, your beat is all over the place. Huh. Interesting. And I was, I was very offended by that. Yeah. But I, I do listen. You know, I come from the old school where, where we listen to our teachers. <laughs> <laughs> So before I remember putting arguing. the, it, it had, exactly, before arguing, it had a little earpiece, and she told me, put the earpiece and set it even when you walk. So Interesting. I started, and to this day, I'm obsessed with metrums. There's metrums everywhere. <laughs> and, um, but then I started connecting the two because I said, how can she tell me I have a bad rhythm? You know, it's like, my, my it's not bad rhythm, that my tempo was all over the place, you know? Yeah, huh. And... That became my obsession with groove. You know, it's when I learned groove, which is my favorite English word. <laughs> as far as I know, as far as I know, and somebody correct me, but it's only an English word. There is no translation into any other language. Interesting. I, I haven't found German or French or, you know, we, they always use groove. Interesting. So when I, when I came to the U.S. to study classical music, I remember asking people here, what is groove? I, I, I was obsessed with the word, you know? Yeah. Huh. And I remember uh, I was in this class and one of the guys, well, groove is like, <laughs> I was like no, but what, what is it? You know? So. That's so great. It's so hard to define. I, it's so hard to define, but, but wait, little known fact. I have a degree in math with applied physics. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah, most people don't because I don't. Yeah, I, I went to school. My mom wanted a college degree, so I gave it to her. You know, and I love math and I love physics. You know, I actually wanted to be a physics major, but they wouldn't. I didn't qualify. I didn't pass the test, so they put me in math. You know, um, but I am a, a visual learner as well, so I needed to come with the definition. I was. I need to define this. Yeah, I need to define groove. The science, especially when I'm in you. This, yeah, the scientist in me was, especially when I was teaching, yeah. because yes. to me, that's when the, when the two worlds connected, the classical world and the non-classical world, um, I saw that, oh, Bach has a groove. Beethoven right. has everything. Groove is everything. Yeah. You know? So what is it? Because I wanted to explain it to my students. So how do you explain so, it? So... I came up with this. Okay. This is my groove model. This like is four it. beats. Let me zoom it. This is four beats under the microscope. <laughs> so the, the niche is on top is the click. Okay. Now the whole square is the whole beat. <laughs> so you can play behind the beat or ahead of the beat, and you're still within the square. As long <laughs> as you're within the square, you are on. I like it. So... My definition of groove became, what is groove? Groove is the placement of the beat. Simple. A child can understand that. You know? Interesting. And then the I, I give the them this, this, the placement of the beat. 
because that's what's going to define if you uh, or if you play ahead or if you play behind. Because in, 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 in Latin music, especially when you go into salsa stuff, you know, if you listen carefully, and I have, <laughs> it goes, sometimes it really plays on top of the beat and sometimes it really pushes right behind. Yeah. And when I started listening to Irish music and all this, you know, uh, um, fiddle stuff, I realized they have the same. Why? Because they need to make people dance. Yep. What makes you dance? And kind of <sighs> this kind of feel. And if you want to relax, if you listen to some blues, you want to relax, it's really way behind the beat. So uh, that's that's to me, it's like ingrained in my my blood right now that's all i'm listening to every time i'm listening to a new track or a song or something that's all i'm listening to is where is the beat how is it moving how is it evolving So when I was in college, I was playing uh, a, a jury, and I was playing a, a Bach, uh, 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 Aleman, the, the D minor Aleman. I don't have a four string fiddle here. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> uh, not handy. But um, <clears throat> and I played it, and one of the teachers said, "Oh, you cannot play that much rubato on Bach. That's wrong." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Ma'am," and I, with all due respect, I am not changing the beat at all. I says, yeah, you're taking some liberties. And I said, as yeah, but that's what the groove takes me. And she said, quote, there is no groove in Bach. Oh, boy. And yeah. my heart went like, oh, no, you cannot say that. So because no. I can be difficult, I asked them to let me play once more. And I had my metronome in my case. I put the metronome and played it exactly the same with the metronome on. And I said, I rest my case. They still end up giving me an A. <laughs> but, nice. but you see, this is the, the, the type of thing that that's, that's in my head. <laughs> yeah. this, this head is a little crazy, but that's, that's kind of what I'm listening to. So when it came to Heading North, that was my first record that I did on my own. Yeah. It's full of that. If you listen carefully. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to see where the boundaries were, even on, 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 uh, on uh, on Minegra, I, I was gonna do because Minegra is a very interesting tune. Minegra is a tune that I wrote for my dad. It's a combination of Venezuelan folk music in six eight, and then the transition to kind of the Afro Latin kind of thing. So the original tune it goes. But I thought the six eight is really easy to bring to four. Yeah. So then, if you're going to do that, you do a wajeo. But then if I'm going to do it that way, that's when uh, the, the strumboing, <laughs> I've been doing it for years because I would do. Yeah. But then, from listening to all the bluegrass guys, I went the... <laughs> Which is the same thing, but just at the frog. It's just at the frog. Yeah. But 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 I will do. You know. Yeah. I will like drag it and do those things because that's what make people move. Yes. Yep. You yeah. Know? Well, it's you know the fact instinctively you're bringing out the subdivision. You know yes. what you're doing. You're bringing out what I call the strum, the motor. You yeah. know, keeping that motor running so that your hand is always moving because, of, you know, that's what keeps it steady. That's what keeps it grooving. And when yeah. we leave that out, that's when people stop dancing. You know. Absolutely, and I have to give credit to two people, who really make me fully realize that. First, 
my, my one of my college professors, Larry Shapiro, mm-hmm. who taught me to how to subdivide everything into the smallest possible subdivision. Yep. Okay? So important. That's from the classical point. So important. And then a man that changed my life, uh, Mark O'Connor. Yeah. And um, I met Mark in Nashville at a session, and I was a huge fan. I didn't know he was going to be there, and we just ran into each other, and he saw me jamming with this Cuban percussionist that was in another session, and that's when he invited me to teach at his camp and stuff. But Mark was talking about, you know, the the eighth note thing, you know, that he does. It's just constant. So I have, he, I, mean, I sit in my studio and I play, you know, constant uh, uh, beats all this time. I mean, even even playing straight A, straight eighth notes with a metronome. I tell this to beginners just to solidify. It's it's not easy at the yep. beginning to go ta 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 perfectly with the metronome. So those two things again, it's, it's, it's the two worlds combining yeah. into what, what the result is, then what I do, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you know that rhythm plays such an important part uh, in what you do because it would be very uh, easy for you to focus just on Latin melodies, you know, of songs, yeah. bringing tunes, you know, to string players and just showing them some here, some. Tunes here, some tunes from Venezuela, from Cuba, whatever, you know, because there's so much new stuff there already. But you intentionally make the rhythm an important part of the focus. So you're not just learning the tune, you're learning what's the dance behind it, basically. What's the groove behind it? On your website, you know, here's something you, uh, I'll quote you. Um, You said, the skills of groove and playing in a rhythm section, which I'm very interested in the whole i have my whole second book is the rhythm string player it's all about being a like a rhythm guitar player um Mm -hmm. the skills of groove and playing in a rhythm section are left out of traditional classical instruction yet remain fundamental to a solid musical foundation you know i I just think that's so cool and uh you know i'm curious why you know how you came to the conclusion uh, as I did, you know, that, that rhythm is, is so important, uh, as important as learning the melodies. Well, um, again, that juxtaposition of m- m- both of my musical lives, you know. But also, when I first started playing with, with Latin bands, with salsa bands, and when I was in charanga bands when I was little, <clears throat> all, all they did, all the Cubans go... Uh, You know, and go, right. That's what was already in my head. Yeah, yeah. You're That's filling, what I was in, hearing. filling in all the spaces. I'm, fi- I'm filling in all the spaces because yeah. I was, I was sitting in the back with the with the with the with the with the percussion session. So in the conga, boom. Yeah, and there's always and something. Yeah, always something clicking. Yeah, every so, subdivision is. Being to played. me, that was my entry level. That I give credit to playing in the in the rhythm section because they wouldn't let me solo, they wouldn't let me solo, you know. They just and, and they just I became a groove player. So hmm. when I discovered bluegrass, I mean my f- that's why I love bluegrass so much, because I I, I remember telling um, I think Daryl once said bluegrass is world music to me. Yeah. <laughs> so when I yeah. came to this, I, I, as a fiddle player, I didn't discriminate. You know how it is. Oh, you play bluegrass. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> and darn proud of it, you know, too. Um, but uh, that, that sitting in, in, in the rhythm section really yeah, what a opened gift. up the world. What a huge and when gift. And when I heard this, yeah, and when I heard the subdivisions of the bluegrass, I went like, oh, this is the perfect world. Yeah. Yes. So that's but, how I marry them together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what uh, I mean, what a great, uh, uh, an unusual experience for a string player. If every yeah. every Suzuki student who played a violin got to sit in a Latin rhythm section. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine what would happen to them? You know. Yeah. 
and that's and a lot of the clinics and workshops I do. That's I bring a bracking track, and I can you play just straight eighth? And most of them can't. Yeah, yeah, interesting. You know, and, and so you start from there, and the rhythm, the rhythm opens up the melody. You cannot have a beautiful melody if you don't yes. know the rhythm. Exactly. It's so and interesting how. People in the classical world don't get that. The don't melody is that. sitting on top, but it's sitting on top of something that's supporting it. Of course. Working with classical musicians, you know, now as a, as a producer and as a recording uh, uh, maker of, of things. And well, the record I did with Rachel Barton Pine, you know, um, all we talked about. Um, I remember my first my first time uh, talking to Rachel. I said, Rachel, remember this. This is all about rhythm. And and she went like, oh, OK. And being the genius she is, she yep. got it right away. Yep. But we reworked a lot of those pieces that are there, we reworked everything. We worked on that for a couple of years. I mean, everything is there on purpose. Yeah. You know? And then because rhythm has a purpose. Rhythm has to be there, you know? So hearing the subdivisions in my head is, is the natural. And Is my do natural. You, yeah. And do you, uh, how do you express that on a stringed instrument? Are you playing the montuno? Are you playing a, a clave? Are you playing a percussion line, a horn line? All of the above. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, yeah. I, I really see myself as a groove maker. And the funny thing, I just started a band. Uh, I, can't, I think I can say it officially with Hector Quintana. The percussion is on Mana. You know, uh -huh. Mana is the biggest rock in Espanol band in the history of, wow. I mean, they just did 10 dates at the forum in the, in here in LA sold out wow. 10 wow. dates. That's how big they are. Yeah. You know, if you listen to Mana, so Hector, uh, the percussion and backup singer is, I'm his music director for his new band that we just started. Oh, cool. And, and the band was going like, we're going to have a fiddle player. It's like, <laughs> this is a, this is a rock band. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and that's all I'm doing is just grooving the crap out of, it. and people are like, oh my god, and the, the 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 conga player says I cannot hear this the same way again. Wow, interesting. You know what a compliment, what a compliment for me because it's a, I cannot just hear it the same anymore. Yeah, you know, so, you know now is, that I hear that, this is the thing that I am so dedicated to. This idea that strings can provide a kind of a groove, a rhythmic groove, like a guitar does. Yeah, like a, like percussion does, like keyboards can. Strings have their own unique voice, their own way of expressing a groove, which people just have not really fully explored. This is just no. a whole. It's like a whole side of our personality that we haven't discovered yet. You know that we're just like, well, oh my for, gosh, I can play rhythm. Holy cow! You know. Well, it, it, my, it, it, and, um, in all fairness, yeah, I'm trying to be nice about this. Yes, I keep. I kept listening to classical music and people trying to be, especially people that were playing to play Latin influence classical music, you know, Sanson or Piazzolla. And I go like, oh, but that's so off. It's like, it has zero <laughs> groove of Sarasate. <laughs> I will say 80% of the people, including the famous people, played wrong. Yeah, because they don't they don't respect the the groove. Exactly, they don't respect. You know? The group. That's the word. That's the word. That's respect. the important word. Is that so many string players only respect virtuosity? Exactly. They don't respect. They respect only beauty and, and like um, tone, like a singer, like a singer's voice. You know, they own and don't respect the rhythm that's supporting that that melody. Yeah. And yeah. The and so that all makes this all come this to life. Absolutely. So these great classical violin players that I love so much, 
play these gorgeous melodies with this gorgeous sound because that's all they're focused on. And there's no rhythm. Yeah. And my heart is broken. I'm going like, how can you possibly do that? You know? Yeah. Um, so I've been very critical, uh, but positive in a way, you know, and uh, of these situations because every time, you know, when tango became a thing, everybody's playing tangos, you know, and, I'm, and I go like, well, tango is like one of the easiest ones, you know? Yeah. But if you don't understand the foundation that you're playing, they're all wrong. You yeah. know, so many recordings of Libertango that I just, ah, you know, yeah, yeah. because they don't understand where the rhythms come from and where the beat and the accent, and they just yeah. think ta 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 Yeah, it's a lot more than that, let me tell you. Yes, yes. So how do you, what's the best way to figure out what more, what else there is? Is the best way to actually do the dance, to do a tango or to watch tango dancing? Or what do you think is the is the the route for classical players to understand better how to play these rhythms? Well, l listen. <laughs> I mean, all, all of the above, but mostly listen. It's, listen to, it's like to what? Listen to the, the, to, to, the tango bands. To the rhythm, the, the tango bands and the rhythm. Yeah. Because, you see, and I'm a violinist, we're a violinist. We can, you know, violinists have big egos. Yeah. You know? <laughs> classical, classical players have bigger egos. Yeah. You know, and they're just so in love with the 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 sound of their own voice. Yes. That they're not listening to anything else. Exactly. I was actually so I went to this recital the other day here in Los Angeles at Disney Hall, very famous violinist, playing programs that I love. I left in the half at the intermission. Yeah. I just could not it was torture. Tracy. It was torture. Of missed opportunities of no, but it was perfect though. Yeah, it sounded uh, like a computer played it. Yeah, perfectly. Yeah. It was like a computer played it. I said, "What's the point?" Exactly. You know, it sounded manufactured in a way. And, and you know, here's the thing: to me, is that it's always when I hear a performance like that. To me, it's symptomatic of the fact that the performer is not is simply not physically involved. Simple as that. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're physically, well, I shouldn't say, I, I mean, physically involved with the groove. They may be physically involved with the emotion, the passion, and back and forth, and well, you know, this sort of rubato-y sort of, you know, help, whatever movement is helping them achieve passion. Because it's it's almost always like one one emotion that, that so many classical players express is passion. It's either, you know, it's that's passion. about yeah. it. That's different about levels it. <laughs> of passion, but um, but they're not real. They're not their body is involved in that way, but their body is not involved in a groove. Their body is just simply not involved in a groove. Otherwise, they would sound different. It yes. would come out differently. Amen. It, it, they would be playing differently if if their bot if their legs were moving, if they were yeah. if their weight was shifting from side to side. You would hear it in their bow. You would hear it in their phrasing because if you're doing this, if you're swaying back and forth, let's say, just something as simple as swaying to the beat, you will tend to stay in time because it's harder to break that rhythm once you're doing this yeah. and you're going of course. You know, right, left, right, left, right. That has a consistency that's hard to break because it's yeah. sort of inertia. Uh, and if you're just standing stock still, there's no, you know, you can break it any time because it's not there. There's no, there's yeah. nothing, you know, to maintain. So, yeah, go This ahead. is an amazing point. I know I'm going to tell you this because you're going to have a kick out of this. Um, I had a studio for a while. Uh, I, I don't teach much anymore like regular students, but uh, early in my career I did. And I remember I wanted students not to tap their, their foot, you know, because it was wrong all the time. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, but I need the beat. I need to, 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 yeah, but they go, to, 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 you know, just to match whatever they're playing. And I said, if you want to keep the groove, then sway. Do this. Yeah. yeah. Use so your whole the way body. To f yeah. Use the whole body and then we'll go, because you cannot do this. Exactly. You can't stop and start so easily. You can stop. So yeah. if you start doing, so that's how I got rid of, that's yeah. my secret technique <laughs> of how to get rid of the foot tapping yeah. was to 
sweating the body. Because if you do this, then you can't stop it. Exactly. And if you, if, you, if you get out of it, then you'll know. Uh, and that's yes. the trick. And it's so simple. It's just like, I mean, come on. And not only is it simple and intuitive, and most fiddle players, classical fiddle players, should have figured it out years ago, but um, if it weren't for the fact that so many teachers tell them not to, exactly. not to move in time, and not don't do something like that, because it looks like you're just dancing like a <clears throat> rock musician or something, as if there's anything wrong with that. And that brings up this whole other... Uh, issue in in string pedagogy, which is why has rhythm been overlooked? What are the reasons for that? Is it just because of this vanity of loving the sound of our virtuosic voices and melodic voices? Or is there some sort of uh, sense that rhythm is beneath us in some way, that being feeling rhythm is vulgar? Uh, it's sexualized or something like that. And that becomes a slippery slope into into folk music and fiddling and what could be more horrible <laughs> to a classical player. More horrible than that, than that of course. <laughs> so, I don't um, know. You know, the whole thing, the whole thing has to change. So. Oh, no, absolutely. And I, and, and I want to say um, that in my own world, in yeah. my own little, little tiny world, I've been doing that for, for my entire career. You know, I've been yep. trying to change at least the world around me. That's why you're you know, on the, the show. World, my <laughs> students, thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you, I appreciate it. Um, but the students around me, you know, uh, I can see, it's funny, I was just hearing a student of mine play the other day and I was so, so proud. Yeah. I mean, this is this little white girl, blue eye from California, playing <laughs> this, you know, kind of a tango it's like I mean, she was born in Argentina you know said, awesome. oh it did pay off it did pay off yep, yep, you know yep. because kids do listen they're not yes, I, yes the other thing is that I don't treat my students as if they're dumb you yep. know I treat them as I usually put it this way I said hey we're in the same boat in the same river I'm just ahead of you but we're still in the same boat in the same river yep I'm still <laughs> I still gotta practice I still gotta I like practice it. I still gotta you know yeah, I just yeah. have a little more experience, so listen to my experience. So that's kind of my approach when I want them to listen to something. Uh, but also, the benefits of rhythm, and you you know this well, you know, once you start working on, on, on the strombo, and that's when I, I think I was the second person that bought your book when it yeah. came out. <laughs> I think you were, man. <laughs> I ordered, like, you put it, I would, like, the same day it came out or something like that. Because I wanted to incorporate, and, and I'm reading the book, and I go, uh-huh, of course. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, but but that's what is that's what I love about this, because this is what we know, we are in the same boat. And we yeah. are rowing in the same direction. Exactly. The more tools. Now, exactly. I use your book and my, and my I said, this is Trey Silver. You, you facilitated my teaching so much. Thank you, know, you with man. such Thank a you. Such an amazing piece of work. Because I'm, I'm serious, man. It's like, now I can explain the whole, the whole Waheo thing, you know, when, when we do the... the That's all. Yeah. That's it. You know, and yep. and I love that part. You know. So, but now, but now I have a book. And I have <laughs> your book, not my book, but I said refer to this. You know, well, it makes good, me sound man. even. It makes me sound even more legit. <laughs> <laughs> puzzled as well as you are about why we don't teach this in classical music yeah i i is i'm still puzzled and um but i'm trying again in my own world um to do this i just did i just produced the um the harlem string quartet the harlem quartet oh cool new album yeah i'm doing the next three 
wow. But in this an amazing, amazing body. And, and these players, I mean, this this seriously, they are amazing. World class, my friends, you know, playing Cuban music from a Cuban composer. Oh wow. But they're all classically trained. Tricky. Let me tell you. Very tricky. Most of my and I, I can say this in public because uh, you know, Ilmar uh, Gavilan, the, the first violinist. I mean, I had, to, I had to explain it to him. I said, no, 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 you're not listening to this. You're not yeah. listening to that. You know, right. this is what a producer does, by the way, <laughs> at a session. Yeah. And this album, when it comes to Coles Havana meets Harlem, is such an amazing, groovy quartet. Nice. Quintet nice. with piano. Yeah. Because these guys, as being Latinos and all, they, and Ilmar told me, he said, Man, I'm Cuban, but I I never listened to this stuff. Wow. Yeah. So that's part of it. Part of it it's is just of not it. exposure. Like yours, your big exactly. thing. You said you know you you were grateful to your dad for the exposure that he gave you to so much music. Yeah. Uh, this is such an important thing because you know non classical stuff, Latin music, hip hop, jazz, bluegrass, all this non classical stuff. It's like a second or third language. And if you're trying to learn a language, the most important thing to do is not to like learn, you know, read verbs in a book. The most important thing to do is to listen to people speak the language. Just of turn course. on Spanish TV or whatever, and just you know, force yourself to listen to lyrics, to listen to, yeah. and immerse yourself and listen to the language. And this is a problem in the classical world: is that. Um, you know, their teachers are teaching a tradition of uh, that they have been taught of Bach and Mozart and Brahms and Beethoven mm -hmm. and Tchaikovsky. Uh, that tradition does not is not current. It's it's an old tradition. It's yeah. it's historical music. It's not current music, uh, and and they're simply not qualified to teach current music because they don't know current music. Uh, so, you know, in a in a sense, we can't expect uh, all string players to 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 learn all things from from one teacher because a classical teacher can only teach what they know. Um, exactly. But that's why there are teachers like you and me out there who can teach other things because we have experienced other, you know, spent years involved in other music but still playing a stringed instrument. And that's kind of the unusual overlap. Um, but yeah. it's getting less and less unusual. It's Yeah, luckily there is some progress. And that's what brings yeah. me hope. Um, about four years ago, I did a master class in Paris, and it was about groove and everything, but I used only classical music examples because I was at the conservatory, you know? So there's, this was yeah. not a Latin music yeah. uh, master class. None of that, but it was a, but it was a groove master class. And what, so did you, which, what did you use, Bach? Bach, and Bach, Mozart, and Beethoven. I mean, all yeah. the big the big guns. There's so you know? much groove in all of that stuff. Um, oh, I mean, my you God. look at the Brandenburg. I mean, if that isn't grooving along, like it's just humming exactly. like a little machine. Or yeah. Mozart. Exactly. It's just like a little yeah. engine, just, just and you know. It, it's it's all there. You see, yeah. what's it, what's it, I, I usually exactly. say... Uh, uh, um, I call Beethoven the 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 first great uh, uh, jazz composer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if if you listen to the 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 development of the third moon of the first piano concerto. Uh huh. You know, and then when it goes to the transition, the the to the in the third moment go. I mean that is he yeah. that's the the, the, the development. Yes, yeah. to speak in sonata form. The development of the third movement is right. a whole kind of a jazz session. He does it with the with the with the opus fifty nine in C major. And you know, I want to chop every time I play that quartet a couple of times. I want to go, it's fabulous. All right, my friend. Well, listen, I'm not going to let you get away without playing a round of Not My Gig. Not My Gig. This is the dreaded portion of the show. All my guests. Hey, I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> where I quiz them on things they don't know anything about, or I hope they don't know anything about. Okay. I may be wrong about this, but uh -huh. 
But uh, Jesus Florido, we're going to see how much you know about the state of Florida. <laughs> All right, here are your here are your Florida yes. questions. Get two out of three right, and you win. Uh, okay, first one is a true or false question. Saint Augustine, Florida, is the oldest city in the continental U.S. True or false? False. Is it true? I mean, doesn't sound right. So so far south. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say false. <laughs> it is actually true. It's not false to me, but I was thinking. It's so it's just weird. If you're asking it, it has to be true. But <laughs> yeah, yep. It was yep. Uh, founded in 1565 by Spanish conquistadors. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. It's all right. We we got more, uh-huh. more questions for you. Okay, here's yeah. a good one. Now I went to visit this place with Future Man. Do you know Roy Future Man? Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. who he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we have this duo and, and a and a band called Eclectica, and we were yeah, on yeah, tour. Yeah. We were playing down in Florida, somewhere in Flo- Southern Florida, um, and uh, and we visited the Coral Castle. It's a a landmark, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. In 1913. Edward Leedskalnen, who is from Latvia, was engaged to marry the love of his life, Agnes Scuffs. And the night before the wedding, she jilted him. She called it off. Heartbroken, (laughs) he decided to dedicate the rest of his life to building the Coral Castle as a testament to his love for Agnes Scuffs. (laughs) So here's your question for you. So it's this it's this crazy place that he built out of huge blocks of coral, like 20 ton blocks of coral. And nobody knows how he did it all by himself. It's like building the pyramids. He would do it at night when nobody could watch him. And so it's this great mystery. It's one of the seven one. It's the eighth wonder of the world. Uh-huh. And my question to you is, how many years did it take to build? Did it take a... 35 years, B, 28 years, or C, 18 years? <laughs> oh, by his, so was that, what, 25, 35, or 18? 35, 20, 28, or 18. 28, yes. or 18. I'm going to say 28 just because... You are right, my moment. friend. You are absolutely <laughs> right. It was 28 years of hard... Manual labor for Agnes. And I saw it, and it was weird. It was, yeah, it was very weird. I've seen weird pictures of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Roy had to see it, and so we all went. Okay. Uh, question number three. You got one right, one wrong. Here's your, your tie-breaking question. The, uh, this, the state of Florida has a sister state in Venezuela. Is the sister state the state of A, Nueva Esparta, the state of Bolivar, or the state of Zulia? <laughs> Which is the sister state of the state of Florida? It has to be Nueva Esparta. It is! It is! <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> because it's an island like like the beach, ah, and I go like, yes. yeah, it's, it's very beautiful, actually. Oh, wow, <laughs> the, very cool. Well, you're right. Yeah, Duh, I won. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you won, you won. You won. <laughs> oh, the winner. I have, win. uh, a brand new wait. car. <laughs> you, no, no question. All right, I've got, a, I've got a bonus question for you, though, just just because. Yeah. Um, because one of my favorite things about Florida is one of, you know, they have there are many natural wonders Yes. The state of Florida. Mm. Beautiful things. But my favorite natural wonder is the author Carl Hyacin, who has written some hysterically funny books. Uh, and the first one that I read of, of his just made me a, a lifelong fan. He wrote a book called Sick Puppy. And I would like to know for extra credit, what is the main character's name in the novel Sick Puppy? Is it A... Twilly Spree, B, Mac McFrack, or C, Rusty O'Toole. 
Can I choose all three? <laughs> Only one is the actual lead character. Is it A, Twilly Spree, B, Mac McFrack, or C, Rusty O'Toole? I'm going to go with Twilly Spree because it it's just Twilly too cool. It is Twilly Spree, man. You're totally vibing it today, man. <laughs> I, I'm feeling it. It's like, oh, that fits like something. Now, now I've got to go read it. <laughs> you got to read it. It's a great book. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for being a good sport and uh, allowing me to potentially embarrass you. But you, uh, you were not to be embarrassed. Uh, you, <laughs> you, I held my ground. Well, yes. cool, man. Hey, Thank you. thanks for taking the time and talking about this stuff that's so important to both of our lives. Yeah. Uh, yes. And hopefully to some of our listeners' lives as well. So. Yes, and thank you for doing this again. I mean, I, I cannot tell yeah, you how, how a big fan I am of the of the podcast. I listen to all of them just because I want to hear what my friends are thinking too. And yeah, and and the, you 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 bring a sense of community that also is 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 needed. You know. And, oh, good, good. Uh, I hope th- so. There is there is there is plenty of room for all of us, which is yes something I also exactly. preach in the string community. You know. So there's plenty of room for There's room for plenty players. more youngsters out there. So we hope Absolutely. to inspire some of them. And Absolutely. I think the future of strings is going to be different from the past. I, I am oh, I quite hope confident so. of that. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, yeah. I'm working really hard on that. Pass it on. Thank you for that, man. Yeah. I'm grateful for that no, hard no, work. Thank you. And, thank uh, you. Thanks, thanks for sharing that with no, us today, man. No, my pleasure. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Right on, brother. <laughs> See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you dug what we're talking about and you want to dig in deeper, please check out the For the Greater Groove Facebook group where I post about each of my guests and where you can leave your comments and opinions. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you're digging the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave me a rating or a review. Thanks a lot and groove on. Groove on.